here, she gave an exclamation of wonder, real or ritual, and looking up at the high garden wall above her, beheld it fantastically bestridden by a somewhat fantastic creature. Oh, don't jump, Mr. Crook, she called out in some alarm. It's much too high. The individual riding the party wall like an aerial horse was a tall, angular young man, with dark hair sticking up like a hairbrush, intelligent and even distinguished lineaments, but a sallow and almost alien complexion. This showed the more plainly because he wore an aggressive red tie, the only part of his costume of which he seemed to take any care. Perhaps it was a symbol. He took no notice of the girl's alarmed adjuration, but leapt like a grasshopper to the ground beside her, where he might very well have broken his legs. I think I was meant to be a burglar, he said placidly, and I have no doubt I should have been if I hadn't happened to be born in that nice house next door. I can't see any harm in it anyhow. How can you say such things? she remonstrated. Well, said the young man, if you're born on the wrong side of the wall, I can't see that it's wrong to climb over it. I never know what you will say or do next she said. I don't often know myself, replied Mr. Crook. But then I am on the right side of the wall now. And which is the right side of the wall? asked the young lady, smiling. Whichever side you are on, said the young man named Crook. As they went together through the laurels towards the front garden, a motor horn sounded thrice, coming nearer and nearer, and a car of splendid speed, great elegance, and a pale green color swept up to the front doors like a bird and stood throbbing. Hello, hello, said the young man with the red tie. Here's somebody born on the right side, anyhow. I didn't know, Miss Adams, that your Santa Claus was so modern as this. Oh, it's my godfather, Sir Leopold Fisher. He always comes on Boxing Day. Then after an innocent pause, which unconsciously betrayed some lack of enthusiasm, Ruby Adams added, He is very kind. John Crook, journalist, had heard of that eminent city magnate, and it was not his fault if the city magnate had not heard of him, for in certain articles in The Clarion or The New Age, Sir Leopold had been dealt with austerely. But he said nothing and grimly watched the unloading of the motor car which was rather a long process. A large, neat chauffeur in green got out from the front, and a small, neat manservant in grey got out from the back, and between them they deposited Sir Leopold on the doorstep and began to unpack him, like some very carefully protected parcel. Rugs enough to stock a bazaar, furs of all the beasts of the forest, and scarves of all the colours of the rainbow were unwrapped one by one till they revealed something resembling the human form, the form of a friendly but foreign-looking old gentleman with a grey goat-like beard and a beaming smile, who rubbed his big fur gloves together. Long before this revelation was complete, the two big doors of the porch had opened in the middle, and Colonel Adams, father of the furry young lady, had come out himself to invite his eminent guest inside. He was a tall, sunburnt, and very silent man, who wore a red smoking cap like a fez, making him look like one of the English sirdars or pashas in Egypt.
With him was his brother-in-law, lately come from Canada, a big and rather boisterous young gentleman farmer, with a yellow beard, by name James Blount. With him also was the more insignificant figure of the priest, from the neighboring Roman church, for the colonel's late wife had been a Catholic, and the children, as is common in such cases, had been trained to follow her. Everything seemed undistinguished about the priest, even down to his name, which was Brown. Yet the colonel had always found something companionable about him, and frequently asked him to such family gatherings. In the large entrance hall of the house, there was ample room even for Sir Leopold and the removal of his wraps. Porch and vestibule, indeed, were unduly large in proportion to the house, and formed, as it were, a big room, with a front door at one end, and the bottom of the staircase at the other, in front of the large hall fire over which hung the colonel's sword.